the nature of your emergency. Welcome back to the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, joined by Detective Walton. Clint, how are you? I'm good. In today's episode, I wanted to talk about a topic that I have never heard anybody else talk about before, certainly one that we've never covered here on this show, and that is vicarious trauma. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy today's content. When I go on to our police, fire, military, and families Facebook group, I often see people talking about incidents that they've gone through at work as well as conversations that they may have had with their spouse. So I've titled this, Is Your Spouse Suffering from Vicarious Trauma? And in particular, if you work in law enforcement or any kind of medical or emergency fire services, uh, military, then there are chances that the people in your sphere of influence, or even you yourself, might have suffered from vicarious trauma. And so I thought it was important to understand what this is. That way we can understand how to better deal with it and then to be able to recognize it if it's something that's coming up, especially in our family unit. So with vicarious trauma, it's usually work-related trauma exposure that can happen from listening to an individual recount their victimization. And I, I hate to have to say it this way, but there's no better way to say it. But as it pertains to this topic, You could very well be a victim of vicarious trauma if, as a first responder or an armed service member, you have had to witness somebody else's victimization. So you, too, become a victim of their victimization. What I mean by that is, Clint, we can use you as an example with being a detective. If you are interviewing somebody and you're listening to a parent recount their story of the sexual trauma and abuse that they have suffered with their own child that in and of itself is you vicariously living that story of the victim that's explaining it to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. And this is never a concept that I hear anybody talking about, but one that I think is very important because when we think about the concept of PTSD or PTSI with first responders, we usually relate that to an incident that you are involved in directly. We don't relate that to incidents that you are inadvertently exposed to based on the vicarious storytelling of the victims that you, and and maybe not only victims, suspects as well, that you are exposed to. And I've never really even thought about it that way. And and looking at just like what I do now and, and my investigations of what I'm exposed to, I mean, I'm exposed to the worst of the worst on a daily basis. And, and it's something that you don't really, you think of like, if I, if I go back throughout my career and think of all the incidents that I've been in and, and the trauma that I've been associated to the, the vicarious exposure is something that you just don't, you don't think about. It's something that I've never really even thought about in, in this way. And, and it's very true because it goes to the facts that you point out, like of the people who are consuming more than five, six hours of the Boston Marathon, that study that you you had touched on before is, is how those people are actually show signs and symptoms of PTSD or PTSI as well. And I think it kind of goes hand hand in hand with this vicarious trauma in which we're 
hearing these traumatic incidents and you're because you're almost you're creating a a story and and almost a visualization of what occurred based off of what the person's telling you when we think about it for a second when you're pulling especially a victim in for questioning it usually takes place right after the moment of the incident that happened and so if they're forthcoming and willing to be able to share their experience with you, which a more majority of the time they are, especially if they are a victim of a crime and something that needs to be investigated, then you're pulling them in and you're getting the most raw and vivid detail possible, right? Usually before the story starts to change or perhaps becomes a little bit more inflated as as we tend to do when we, we sort of dramatize these things as we retell and retell that same story. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I think that that's human nature for that to take place. And so again, it's not you just responding to a call and that happens, right? That's a direct a direct impact. This is something that's happening secondhand by you paying witness and again creating that imagery in your own mind as they're recounting sometimes the most horrific moment of their entire lives. And and as I'm sitting here thinking about it too is there's almost a also, so I think of like victims I've interviewed or even suspects and they leave out details like there's details that were needing for our investigation or we're hoping that they disclose whatever it may be. And if they don't, if they're being very vague in these instances, in your mind, you almost start creating this own story as to, well, why are they being vague? What this didn't really happen, or it could be the complete opposite, or it did happen, but it's so traumatic to them that you start creating this own story in your own head. And almost being so much more severe or or not as severe, it, like it could go to either side of the spectrum of what it really is. And you're painting this picture because then when you interview this person, you once again, then you go down and you have to type it all out. You have to spell it all out. So you're like getting re- it's, it's happening numerous times for you. It's not like it's just one and done. Like you're having to do it multiple times and recount this story multiple times, even though you weren't the victim to that incident. Right. And the reason that I bring this up is because in so many of the police wives group that I have seen and why I'm really not a part of a part of that, um, is because I see these women going on there and they're shaming their spouses. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that just a spouse of an officer is a woman. I'm just using this as an example. I hate that you have to explain yourself that way. But these women, I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler spoiler alert because on Monday I'm going to explain to you a little bit more about the, the word ruminate. And these women will ruminate on these topics that their spouses have shared with them. And so the reason I wanted to bring up vicarious trauma is in tandem with the word ruminate, because when we start to realize that we ourselves are ruminating on a particular thought or our spouses are ruminating on a particular thought, and a great example of this in these groups that I have seen is a similar incident is currently taking place to something that has happened in the past. And the spouse has shared, the police officer has shared with their partner some of the things that they had to experience and some of the direct things that happened to them during this incident. 
So again, you made a great point with creating this vivid imagery. And as females, we are very clever when it comes to being able to do that, probably more so in some respect to men. And so these women will create these stories in their mind and then start to ruminate on them. So when another incident that is similar starts to take place, they will start to have some symptoms of this vicarious trauma take place. And that's important for us to understand, number one, because it's a great time for us to realize that perhaps there might need to be a conversation around the types of filters that you deem are necessary in the relationship or that you might recognize need to take place because of this type of behavior. So if your partner is staying up all night worrying about you, for example, that is a very unhealthy sign. That might be one of those one of those times that warrants this type of conversation. And then discussing and addressing how vicarious trauma may have impacted them. I know at the beginning of our relationship, this had nothing to do with you being a police officer, but I... I had such a deep fear of being home alone at night. And it later on came after doing some deep work to my understanding that it was because of how sheltered I was being the only girl, having five brothers, always being told by my dad that I can't because I'm a girl. And having that sheltered nature created a really unhealthy element for me as I entered my adult life. And so by identifying certain things that our triggers in our lives, especially if you are a first responder or the spouse of a first responder, it's important for us to realize how detrimental that is to our health and to our way of being. Because I know spouses that will wait up all night posting on Facebook about how worrisome you know life is. And that's not to say that you shouldn't be worried, but if it's impacting your life and your health, and that's not healthy, there's a problem there. I could tell you that there are very few times in my life where, you know, I I even have thoughts of doubt when it comes to Clint, you being at work and incidents that are taking place to where I have that worrisome attitude, you know, and I'm talking very, very, very few. And for the most part, it had nothing to do with me thinking there was a lack in your ability. It had other circumstantial elements to it. So I'm thinking about the time of the George Floyd debacle And I'm thinking about the fact that it wasn't that you were having to deal with all of the shit that you had to deal with. It was me thinking about the 12s that you were on, having to ride tandem in a unit with somebody, and how pressured your your work lifestyle was during that time in terms of the added stress from the media and you not getting the proper amount of sleep and probably the improper amount of nutrition and like all of those other things that make... That made life so off balanced for you. It wasn't that I was thinking about the traumatic incident that I wasn't ever relating it to that, but that's the type of thing that I'm talking about where it could be a problem. And so I think that it's very important for us to know what vicarious trauma is so that we can identify if it's taking place in our own lives or the people that we love. So I hope you've gotten some value out of today's episode. If you have, do us a favor, drop a review, subscribe down below. And as always, know that I am sending you a long, tight hug from my home to yours.